One, if you fill one out, then feel free to grab another one, and we'll probably need to make some more copies uh, as well. But if you fill one out, feel free to grab another one on the way out, because you'll go, well, I don't want to sign it and give it away, because I want this little calendar for my refrigerator. Okay, so that's kind of what's going to be happening. Now, let's pray. Father, we pray that we would dig into this chapter. It is so wonderful, and it's got so many closing thoughts for the Corinthians and it stirs in our hearts some things and we just read it and thank you God for that video that we saw reflecting upon the last five months from August to December and the things that you enabled us to do and some of the victories that we've seen and Lord we know that there's much work yet to be done so please inspire us and guide us and fill us with your Holy Spirit lead us according to the truth of your word Help us to hear clearly your voice, that we would not be the ones directing, planning, strategizing, unless we are hearing from you. We believe that we are, but we also surrender our plans into your great and capable hands. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, I, I want to begin by, um, my sermon title I just take out of this chapter, chapter 16, a wide door for effective work has opened to us. And as I was studying and thinking about what I wanted to preach on Vision Sunday, I said, hey, let's just roll this 1 Corinthians 16. It was perfect. I, I don't think I could have hardly picked a better, a better passage. So as God would have it, the last chapter of 1 Corinthians is perfectly suitable for our Vision Sunday message. And we are at the beginning of a new year and a new semester. And the inspired words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, 9 powerfully express what we want each of you to feel in your hearts. And that is that a wide door for effective work has opened to us. And there are many adversaries. Perfect. Was a bullseye. I don't even have to look for another passage to preach this morning. So, here are my points, and I'm taking them right out of this passage, I believe. The first one is the first thing up on Paul's writing of 1 Corinthians 16. It's kind of a no brainer, but point number one is it will take money to do God's work in 2023. How about that? Paul calls it the collection for the saints. He taught the Galatians to give to God's work and he taught all Christians to do the same. And the collection was taken at weekly Sunday gatherings of New Testament churches. Old covenant believers still met on Saturdays, but new covenant believers celebrated and gathered on Sundays to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, the most important event and day in all of history. In chapter 16, verse 2, it says, On the first day of the week, that would, have been their, that would have been Sunday. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. So that's when they would come together to worship, celebrate on a Sunday. Jesus was risen from the dead on a Sunday. Sunday became their day of declaring the victory of God over death and sin. And he said, when you come, set aside, put something aside. As he may prosper, meaning as God blesses you, give to the work. Talk of giving of God. Giving to God bothers some, but it does not bother those who understand what God gave for us, does it? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know the saying, you can never outgive God. And you want to give to God when you realize what God has given to us. 
So the Corinthians had needs and expenses in their own church, and they wanted to support the needs of other church and mission works. And he mentions Jerusalem. It's my understanding that there was a famine at that time in church history, so that's more than likely what Paul was referring to. There was a need among the believers in Jerusalem, another church uh, well known to all the Christians because of Jerusalem's central role in the history of redemption and the work of God. But it's also a principle to apply more broadly to supporting your local work and the larger work of God's kingdom, giving to God's work is a duty and a delight. So is there anything better and more eternal to give to than God's eternal kingdom? So I want to commend you for 2022. Uh, in a time when many churches are struggling and even cutting back, we have known God's favor. In our business meetings, we have watched, every time we have a business meeting, we have watched God provide we set goals at the beginning of almost every year. We kind of set goals and we go, I hope we can do this. And at the end of the year, we always go, look what God has done. And I want to commend you for giving. You have given to the work of God in a time when others have not. We have met and exceeded our budget. We've carried out Bible studies, weekly worship services. We've maintained and used these facilities for ministry almost every day of the year. We have paid staff salaries. We've started new ministries. We've carried out ministries to teenagers, to children, to singles. We've discipled. We have uh, seen people saved and baptized. Many have grown in their spiritual walk with God. Others have found their way back to and renew their faith in Jesus. Many have given to missions, Christian organizations, mercy ministries, local and foreign campus ministry, feeding the hungry, church planning in foreign lands. We raised $45,000 for a van that will enable us to do many things as we carry out God's great commission. So I think we need to pause for a moment and give God, expre express our gratitude to God. He is good and bountiful. We don't deserve such favor, but He has given it anyway. Thank you, our Lord and King. Praise Him and worship Him. Amen. <laughs> Can we not be thankful for what our God has done? Secondly, there is a wide door for effective work open to us. God opens doors, He closes them, but the gospel tells us there is always an open door for the work of God, and He has opened doors for us. There are doors open for us to minister the gospel right here in our community and to the ends of the earth, because God has opened some doors wide open for effective work, not ineffective work. I'm not particularly interested in open doors for ineffective work. I've been ineffective before. I have stacks of things sometimes that remind me of my ineffective work. But I want to be part of effective work. And God has done that for us. Paul could not wait to come and tell the Corinthians all that God was doing and all that God had planned for the near future. Great things were occurring in the work of the Lord then and now. People were regularly being set free from the bondage of sin and guilt then, and people are being set free from the bondage of sin and guilt now. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that our God lives and He works and He moves and He saves and He delivers? Aren't you glad? People are meeting Jesus. Churches were being planted and established all over Asia, North Africa, Europe. 
and churches are being planted and established right now as we move toward the coming of Jesus. New leaders were being raised up and sent out, and God is doing the same for us. We even saw it with our own eyes right here, right now, today. And the name of Jesus was being proclaimed like a wildfire spreading, and the book of Acts chronicles the amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. A door was open. It was a wide door. It was a wide door for the work of God. And God sent people and they moved out. And God is on the move and we must go with Him. Okay? God is on the move, my friends. And we must go with Him. Right here in Silva and in western North Carolina, in the midst of our church-saturated mountains, there are endless opportunities and needs for work. The vast majority of people, sadly, even many going to churches, do not know the Lord and live only for this broken, bleeding, dying world. The door for ministry, effective ministry, is open right here, right now. Paul was an amazing motivator. And to be more specific, the Holy Spirit is an amazing motivator. Paul wanted everybody to get on board. I want everybody to get on board. I want to be on board. Paul wanted everyone to know the power of the resurrection and we want to see and experience the power of the resurrection. Paul wanted to see churches growing. He wanted to see people deeply and passionately engaged and worshiping the triune God. He wanted to see knees bent, hands raised, deep moments of genuine repentance, lives restored, chains broken, deliverance from addiction, disease, danger, demonic oppression, broken relationships healed, etc. And I want to see that. You want to see that stuff? I want to see that stuff. There is so much work to be done for our worthy king. We must see the wide open door right before our eyes. There are thousands of people all around us. Even in our less populated area, it's still populated with thousands of people around us. There are families, teenagers, children, young adults, athletes, gamers, nerds, good old boys, people who like Jeeps, trucks, beer, fashion, people with autism, physical limitations, old people, lonely people, rich people, poor people, white people, black people, brown people, Hispanic, European, African, Arabic, Islamic, Russian, Hindu, atheists, agnostics, drunks, sex addicts, people filled with rage, people entertaining themselves to death. There are people addicted to social media people with eating disorders, people chasing and experiencing success in this world, people who are really smart and some not so really smart, people who are lazy, people who are lonely, people who crave attention, people who will do anything to be accepted by others, people who don't listen to anybody, people who are unhappy with their jobs, people living under bridges, in the woods, in cars, in palaces, million-dollar homes and mobile homes, people in debt, people working three jobs, People with no jobs, people collecting food stamps, etc. There's a lot of people. All those people are people. And people have the image of God and have the capacity to be saved and delivered from their sin and death. There are people in our community who do not know the Lord. There is a wide door open for effective ministry every day, everywhere you and I go. These are all people, and people need the Lord, and most of them don't know it or don't care. 
And it's our job to pray for them and to pray for God to make them want to care. It's our job to be there when something happens in their life and we can say there's another way to live this life. If you have the eyes of God to see the world through the lens of God's kingdom, then you see God's doors. There's some people here going, I don't see any effective doors. What could we do in this church riddled community? There's so many churches. I think everybody I talk to says they're a Christian. Open your eyes. If you have eyes to see when the heart of God, then you see doors. You see constant doors, many doors, great doors, wide open for ministry. You see the need for people to know God. And you see it everywhere, every single day. And if you love God in your heart and you have experienced His love for you, then that is what you most want to give your life to. Our lives are spent with people and God wants us to connect with people so that they can connect with God. This is why we are here and this is our assignment. We have a great door open for us because people need to connect with God. And once they connect with God, they need to connect with the people of God. They need to meet the Father and come into the family. That's what needs to happen in the next five months. Do you know that in the next five months, there are people that can come in to the kingdom of God if we'll just see the wide open door and we will ask the blessing of God and we will pursue and we will go out to that vast mound of people that I was just describing. Every possible description I could think of. Rich, poor, smart, dumb, whatever. They all need Jesus, don't they? Just like we do, right? I was in that category, you in that category. My name was mentioned in many of the things on that list. Thank good not all of them, but many of them, a lot of them. And those are the kind of people that we need to be engaged in pursuing because those are the kind of people that go to Webster Baptist Church. So there are, number three, there are many adversaries, which means it's not going to be work, easy work. It's a good work. It's an effective door for a good work, but it won't be an easy work because there are many adversaries. Paul was excited about the great door for effective ministry, but he was not naive or blind to the reality that there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. How many people agree with that? How many people have felt met some of those adversaries? How many people have felt they wanted to do something for their God and they felt pushback or they felt a trap or a temptation or a setback or some obstacle or some distraction and something was keeping you from doing what would honor and serve God? And suddenly you realize, oh... There are adversaries, and that thought and that knowledge helped you overcome the adversary. You can't fight an adversary whom you pretend doesn't exist. The Corinthians had many adversaries. Paul has warnings in all of his letters to the churches. There were people teaching heretical teachings. There were people in church living and promoting the most shocking sin. We've seen it in the letter to the Corinthians. We've experienced it in our own church. There was constant opposition from Satan and they needed, like all Christians, to put on the whole armor of God and to stand firm and extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And that's what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus in chapter 6, 10 through 20. 
And they needed to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. And that's what Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5. And they must learn to resist the devil and he will flee from you. As James told the believers as they scattered abroad in James chapter 4 verse 8. And they need to know that Satan is a liar and the father of lies as Jesus taught his disciples in John 8, 44. He has many methods. Satan has many methods and strategies and he never tires fighting against the work of God because the devil hates our Lord Jesus. You must have a strategy against Satan's devices. You must plan for his attacks. You need to know your strengths and weaknesses and know that your adversary studies your strengths and weaknesses and constantly looks for opportunity to take you out and to steal your joy and to minimize your weakness and to make you feel far from God. Satan is determined to undermine, stop, hinder, corrupt our plans to impact the world for Jesus. And he wants to keep you away from Sunday gatherings, away from true and genuine community. He wants to keep you out of Bible study, dry up your prayer life, turn you into a complainer and a whiner and make you self-absorbed and bring strife and division and divert your affections to other things than God's work slips into insignificance and that God becomes more of a hobby that you get around to when it is convenient. God is no hobby. He must be first. This is the only place, the only role he takes. God never accepts second. He only takes first. Do not let Satan steal away the next Five months. January to May of 2023 will only come around once in the history of the world. What moments and open doors are before you will be lost forever if you do not seize the day. You must decide where you are supposed to serve and honor God and give your all to it and be strong and vibrant in your faith and love for God so that when June 1 arrives, you don't find yourself trying to figure out how you slid spiritually into a dark place of it or into some horrible sin and devastating consequences to those around you. You must make a plan, make a strategy to stay close to God and enjoy His presence. So let me ask you this question, and I want you to honestly answer this question. Do you believe with all of your heart that if you don't walk closely to God, that within five months period you could dive spiritually into such a dark place that it would be shocking to all of us? Do you not believe that you have that capacity then what are you going to do about it? Because that's Satan's strategy for you. Satan has a plan for you. And that is when June 1 rolls around, you have done nothing for the kingdom of God and you have served yourself and you have fed your mouth and gratified your appetites and you have lots of worldly delights, but you have taken a nosedive. I'm going to tell you that scandal comes and it's shocking to everybody, but it doesn't happen overnight. Someone lets down their guard and they start moving away from the way that God feeds his people. And I'm just going to tell you right now because there never has been a year that I've been a pastor. And I've been a pastor for a bunch of years. I've never been a pastor for a year when something scandalous didn't happen where I was serving God. 
and it shocked us all. I've never had a year past when Satan didn't get his bloody fangs into somebody's soul. And I don't want that to be you. And I don't want it to be me. And I want you to walk close to God and I want to stay close to God and I want to serve Him and love Him and worship Him and grow in my walk with God. So we need to make a good plan. And that's what we've tried to do when we've mapped all these things out. we got all this list on there. And it's not because we were bored and we just thought of some cool things to do. It's because we are sinful and we also want to see people come to faith in Jesus and we want to see people who come to faith in Jesus learn to walk with Jesus so that they become warriors, not toddlers. That's what we desire. So number four, see the people God has placed in your life to help you. See the people. There's people all around you. There's people in this church. And do you know the people? Do you know that by the ordained plan of God, you're sitting in a group of people that have been ordained of God to help you walk with Christ? The people in the body of Christ have been put into your life and you've come into a setting. God calls you to find a setting and become part of the body of Christ. And that is God's ordained method for helping people grow and walk in their faith and serve Him successfully. It's how He does things. Okay, so you need to see the people God has placed in your life to help you. And then you also need to be the people in whom God has placed people in your life for you to help them. God brings people into our lives as one of the primary means to bring about our salvation and spiritual growth and our usefulness to the kingdom of God. Paul himself wanted to visit the Corinthians to inspire and instruct them. Paul had already sent Timothy to visit them and to do them much good and to help them grow. And he wanted for the, he looked forward to the sending the gifted Apollos to come and visit them and use his spiritual gifts to help strengthen them in the Lord. And he reminded them to respect and cherish the leadership and hospitality shown to them by the household of Stephanus. And for people like Fortunatus and Achaeus and how churches in Asia were praying for them by name and Aquila and Prisca or Aquila and Priscilla perhaps prayed for them in the church where they served and the Christians and churches from all over prayed for them and remembered them and sent greetings to them because they were excited about God's work and how many doors were constantly opening for carrying out the gospel commission. And they were in community. And they worked together and they served. And all the things we took so many weeks to go through, spiritual gifts and gifts exist for the good of all. And that's the thing. And that's what this list is. This is for the good of all. All this stuff is for the good of all. And it's for my good to receive and it's good for me to give as well. There were, there were back then many people who, have, who devoted themselves to the service of the saints. And there are people now who regularly devote much time, thought, prayer, energy, skill, and love to help you grow. There are people right here to greet you when you walk in the door and to hand you a bulletin and say welcome. And there are people who come during the week and fold bulletins and and people who study for hours every week to teach you the Word of God and people who prepare spiritual 
um, to prepare spiritually for the nourishment of your souls. And some people show up at 7.30 every Sunday to make sure the heat is on and to practice music and to work in the tech booth for, for two to five hours every Sunday. There are volunteers to hold your crying baby and change your poopy diapers and scores of people each Sunday and Wednesday to love on children so that they may hear of and fall in love with Jesus early in life. Every time we plan events, people help in the kitchen. They set up, clean up, move chairs, promote. There are people who use their vacation time and invest their own money to serve in missions. There are teams of people who spend hours to plan women's ministries and men's ministries and marriage seminars and people who give large chunks of time to repair buildings and repair computers and to fix meals and visit others and lead life groups and serve with Celebrate Recovery. There are musicians who give many long hours to create a worship setting that draws your heart to God. There are elders and deacons who give hours and hours to guide our church in the works of God. So here is the conclusion. Here is what I want to say out of all this. If your primary relation to our church or to church in general is to delight in and benefit from Sunday morning services, I want to say, I want to say several things. First of all, I want you to know how happy I am that you come. I really am. I get so excited. I love it when I see people come out. I love when I see new people, old people, regular people, people returning from not being real. I just get excited because I believe God works when we gather. So the first thing I want to do is I want to say, I am thrilled that you are here. I am super thrilled. I am thrilled. I want you to come back. I want you to please come back. Please, pretty please. Please come back. I really do. I want you to come back. I want you to be here every Sunday. Some Sundays I go, oh, man, I, I wish everybody had, had heard that or heard that testimony or been with us as we were singing that song. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe every now and then I say something worthwhile. Okay, so I'm just happy when you come. I pray and labor along with many others that you will come and connect with God and the people of God. And we want so very much to have meaningful, relevant, powerful worship services where you feel you have met with God and experienced the Holy Spirit in real communion with Christ. And I want as many people as possible to discover the joy and strength of soul satisfying worship come one come all come sinner come saint we want you to have such great times with God that you will come to the place that the weekly worship of God is the highlight of your life and that it would take chains and bars to keep you from gathering with the saints to lift high the name of Jesus now I'm going to have to say we ain't there yet but it's what I want, don't you? I think we want that. We all want that. It's like, yeah, I wished I was like that. I wished it would take chains and bars. What it really takes is a, a late Saturday night to keep me from it or just a busy Sunday or some cool adventure I want to do. doesn't take much to keep it from us, but one day we'll be tuned in. One day we'll be so tuned in. We'll be tuned in in heaven. There won't anything distract us. We're like going, what is so the distraction? We'll be going, what's a distraction? This is the main event. And so it'll be exciting. We're not there yet. But I pray for it. I want it. And every Sunday we're working towards it. We're asking God for it. Lord, move in the midst of our worship services. That's what we want. We pray that the words of Psalm 122.1 would repeatedly reverberate in your soul. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Even teenagers. That would be awesome.
with all of our faults and weaknesses, forget not that it is not the imperfections of church people that keep you away, but the majesty of Christ that keeps you coming. So many people have a hard time with people that they forget that our primary purpose isn't to meet with the sinners around us, but it's to worship the Savior before us. And that helps us sometimes. Because I tell you, church people, some of you people are really ornery. And some people of you can really be rude. I know, it's shocking. But I want to keep coming because I think God's still working. And you know what I find out? That sometimes, sometimes I find out it's my attitude that creates this idea in my head. That maybe I'm the one that's being a little ordinary. And maybe I'm the one with an attitude. But the whole point is God will teach us to love Him and that will spill out in our love for others. The second thing I want to say is I hope that what you taste in the worship hour will cultivate a desire for more. That the weekly spiritual meal will awaken your spiritual palate for more Jesus, more knowledge of God, deeper devotion, deeper fellowship, deeper impact. And when coming week by week, you will hear of next steps in your walk with God and you will take action to grow and to serve. And every Christian needs to always be thinking of next step. What is the next thing God would have me to do? What is the next step that will help me to fulfill God's call upon my life and help me to make the most of my life to serve my Savior? Third, I want to thank those of you who serve in so many different ways. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have served in some capacity and you have been majorly blessed by serving and you are so glad you have served and serving has made you a happier Christian, then I want to indicate that you are glad that you served and you would highly recommend it by raising your hand. Absolutely. We would highly recommend it. It's a great thing to do. I'm happiest when I'm not focused on me. And so that's one thing. We thank you. And we want to follow your example. Thank you for those who just jump in and we want to follow your example. Fourth, pick where you will serve at this time. Many effective doors are opening right this very moment. I encourage you to make a commitment to some area, some next step, where you will invest and give, give and labor for God in the next five months, the next five-month block of time. Do something that will benefit someone so that we can continue to proclaim the gospel to more people, so that we can help more people grow in love with God, so that we can celebrate with a great May baptism, more 2023 missions, more ministry in Jackson County, and with this prayer... Pick a spot where you can give to God. Dear Lord, what door am I to walk through to carry out my part in your big design? That's all you want to do. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. That's all, that's all I'm really wanting you to do. I'm wanting you to take this list and look at it and ask yourself, where on there, Lord, do you want me to invest? And then um, jump in somewhere. And whatever is most needed at this point in your life. It could be that someone in this, in this uh, church could say, you know what I most need in my life right now is I just, I, I think I want to um, do a Bible study. I just really need to grow. I think I want to help do something. Or I think I want to, I think I want to, this, this next five months, I want to be more bold in my, my witness and I want to share my faith with people. And so that becomes a challenge that God um, can, can help you and guide you to do. So lastly, I do want to say today is another 
great day to meet Jesus. And you can pray right here and right now for God to begin working in your life. You can tell Jesus right now, I'm sorry for my sins and I'm ready to receive Jesus by faith and turn my life over to you. So maybe you're here and you're thinking the best way to start the new year is I need to, I need to finally make up my mind about Jesus. And if you have a question about becoming a Christian, then I hope you'll find someone you can talk to. You can talk to me. You can say, hey, can I swing by sometime or we can set up. But I do want to say this. If you become a Christian in the next five months, I'm going to exhort you and challenge you to do something. When it happens... I want you to do something very shortly, very quickly. Immediately, I want you to think. I just want you to go to someone and let them know I've made a decision to follow Jesus. That little short phrase can help so much get things going. And you can confide with someone or you share with someone or you tell someone, I have made a decision to follow Jesus. And I don't know, maybe not know a lot about it or I've got a lot of things I need, I need areas that I need God to help me change. But I've been learning about Jesus for a while now. And I decide I want to walk with him. I just want to walk with Jesus. And I hope you'll join me in praying that over the next five months that a great door of effective ministry has been opened to us. And we're going to do what we can by God's grace and with His blessing to help some people make a decision to walk with Jesus. Wouldn't that be great? Well, that's what we're going to do and that's why we're here, okay? A great door has been opened. You may see something on there, fill it out, turn it in. Put it at the connect desk if you want. Think through it. Take it home. Pray over it. But my, my real hope is that some of you will find something on there and you'll make a commitment to something and you'll be amazed at how it will impact you and others. Let's pray. Father, thank you this day for the grace of God and the work of Christ and the kingdom of God and the word of God. Thank you for this word that just stirs us, inspires us. It helps us to know why we're here and what we can do with our lives so that we don't just waste our lives and come to the end and be full of regret, not only for the way we spent this life, but also full of regret because we miss heaven. Thank you, God, for the people of God in this local church. And I pray, oh God, that you would prepare us for great things in the next five months. Just five months out, God, may we dig in and serve you with all of our being and heart. And may there be a lot of fruit come May. May there be fruit along the way, oh God. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand with us as we close. Lord, I give you... As you came in, you might have gotten a copy of this sheet of paper. It's really not for the sermon, but it's something I'd like for you to have. On one side is a list of many of the things we're going to be doing over the next five months from January to May. We work in blocks that kind of go along with the school semesters we do this semester, then we do a summer block, and then we do 
the fall, the video that you just saw was sort of encapsulating some of the things we did there. So what I want you to do with this is I want you to maybe look at it later. Um, if, and I would love for you to take on the back and you have a chance to fill it out. And if there's some areas that you'd like to serve over the next five months, that's the purpose of this. And then if you do happen to fill it out and you turn this in, you can always just pick up another copy of this so you can put this on your refrigerator so you don't miss anything. Okay, now back to 1 Corinthians 16, so let us pray. Father, we just pray that you would take the Word of God like you often do to us. We've so come to expect that when we open your Word and read it with eager ears, that you will guide us and you will um, bring conviction in some areas, encouragement in other areas, that you will instruct us about what it means to live for Christ and that you will speak directly to our hearts and commune with us. So we pray that all those things would happen as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, that we would be stirred to action and inspired to faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. So I took the title of this passage uh, sermon out of the text and just that little um, statement that says, um, a wide door for effective work has opened to us. And that's what we're looking at for the next five months. We feel like God has opened a door of ministry for us, and it's a pretty wide door. And hopefully as I go through this sermon, you'll be going, yeah, it makes perfect sense. That seems to fit for where we are and what our church has planned uh, seems to in incorporate that. So um, as God would have it, the last chapter of 1 Corinthians is perfectly suitable for our vision Sunday message. So I could have gone somewhere else. I could have picked another text, but I thought, boom. Right where we are, this happens so many times. We're reading through the scriptures, studying, and so many times it's just like right there, perfect fit for what I want to talk about. And that's the way it was this morning. So we've gone through 16 chapters of Corinthians, and I couldn't have better placed this chapter than for this particular day. So we are beginning a new year and a new semester in the inspired words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, powerfully express what we want each of you to fill in your hearts a wide door for effective ministry has opened to us and there are many adversaries. So if we're listening, it's a perfect word for us right now. So I want to begin up at the top of the chapter there. And there's several things I want to mention. And the first thing is kind of obvious. And it is that it will take money to do God's work in 2023. It took money to do it last year. It took money to do it the year before. It takes money to... Um, do the things that God has called us to do. So that is uh, kind of a, a little starting point as he begins this chapter. So Paul calls it collection for the saints. And he taught the Galatians to give to God's work. He teaches, uh, taught all the churches to do the same. And the collection was taken at the weekly gathering, a Sunday gathering for the New Testament churches. Old covenant believers were still meeting on Saturdays. But new covenant believers begin to celebrate and gather on Sundays to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the most important event and day in all of history. Wouldn't you agree? There is no greater day for us than the day that Jesus rose from the dead because all the promises of the gospel going to that day and every promise extending from that day all make us want to celebrate that wonderful day when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We are a resurrection, believing, holding to, uh, promoting church. 
And so that's what they were doing on that Sunday. And then as they gathered, one of the things they would do is they would um, take up an offering to promote the work of God. It says in chapter 16, verse 2, on the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside monetarily and store it up as he may prosper. So talk of giving to God bothers some, but it does not bother those who understand what God has given for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's a whole lot easier to give when you realize what God has done for us. That, that saying that goes, you can't outgive God. And when you read about what God gives, you realize, well, obviously you could never outgive. We could never repay what God has done for us in giving his son. So the Corinthians had needs and expenses in their church, just like we do. And they wanted to support the needs of other churches and mission works like we do. And we mentioned, he mentions Jerusalem. More than likely, they were experiencing part of the famine that is uh, mentioned in other, in the, in the book of Acts. But it's a principle. Giving is a principle to apply more broadly to supporting your local work and the larger work of God's kingdom. So giving to God's work is both a duty and a delight. But I think it's true. Is there anything better to give to than something that's eternal and changes people's life forever for good? And so I think that's reason we can be excited about it. So I, I want to begin this by commending you. I want to give thanks to God publicly for the way our church has given in the last year. In a time when many churches are struggling and even cutting back, we have known God's favor. And we have met and exceeded our budget and carried out Bible studies and weekly worship services and maintained and used these facilities for ministry almost every day this year. We have paid staff salaries. We've started new ministries. We've carried out ministry to teenagers and children and singles and disciple people. And people have been saved and baptized. And many have grown in their spiritual walk with God. And others have found their way back to renewal and, their, and back to uh, recovering their faith in Jesus. Many have, been, have given to missions, Christian organizations, mercy ministries, campus ministry feeding the hungry, church planting in foreign lands. We raised $45,000 for a van that enables us to do many things as we carry out the Great Commission. We need to pause for a moment and give express, express our gratitude to God. He is good and bountiful. We do not deserve such favor, but He has given it to us anyway. So thank you, our Lord and King, and praise Him and worship Him. So thanks be to God. It's one thing to live in a place where we experience such blessings, and we do, and we are very thankful thing. It's an altogether attitude to expect that and not be grateful for it. So we have known bounty. Um, God has given us that, but we want to make sure that we're not ingrateful. We want to express, Lord, we don't deserve what we have. Um, we're not better than anybody else who has left. We less. But because it comes from your hand, we want to make sure that we pause and say, Lord, Lord, thank you. It's kind of like um, when we eat, we just want to make sure that we don't ever come to the place that we're not thankful for the food on our table. We have received so much that it's so easy for us to be complacent. So easy for us to expect that that's, to feel like we're entitled to such things. May we always have grateful hearts and recognize that every good and perfect gift is from above. 
so that we don't ever become um, cold but full of gratitude on a daily basis that we learn to thank God, that thanking God is part of our DNA as, as a church. So we just felt like we had to pause here. You know, several months back, and again, I, a church van isn't everything, but it was something that we asked God for, and He supplied that need before we even get our van. And so it's just a big deal to us. I don't want it ever to feel like it wasn't. It's a big deal when we meet our budget. It's a big deal when we can be in here and keep going and keep trudging forward. So, again, we thank God. We want to keep giving, but we want to make sure that we're good stewards with what God gives us so that what we're giving goes toward the work of the kingdom of God. Okay, so secondly, there is a wide door, a big door, like maybe like that door back there. Little door is that one. Wide door is the garage door that opens up when we bring stuff in here. There's a wide door for effective work open to us right here, right now. Paul could not wait to come and tell the Corinthians all that God was doing and all that God had planned for the near future. Great things were occurring in the work of the Lord then and great things are occurring in the work of the Lord today. People were regularly being set free from the bondage of sin and guilt and by the grace of God, people are still being set free from the bondage of sin and guilt. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Have you ever been bound and guilty and carried shame and sorrow and regret? And do you not know that that's what Jesus came to deliver us from? Is that not good news that our world needs to hear? There is a wide door for us to keep communicating these wonderful things. Churches were being planted and established all over Asia, northern Africa, Europe. New leaders were being raised up and sent out. The name of Jesus was being proclaimed like a wildfire spreading around the the Mediterranean, everywhere. The book of Acts chronicles the amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. A door was open and it was a wide door and it was a wide door for the work of God and God is on the move and we must go with God. Okay, you want to do that? It's what I want to do. I want to go with God as He continues to do great work. An effective door is open. I don't want to sit there and say, my, my, what a nice door. I want to go through the door and to the work, okay? So right here in Silva and in western North Carolina in the midst of our church-saturated mountains. You can't go around too many curves around here without there being a church building somewhere, okay? So we live in a Bible belt. We live in a saturated uh, church culture. And even in this saturated church culture, I think we recognize that there are endless opportunities for the work of God and needs for people to come and know Jesus Christ. The vast majority of people, I believe, I think most of you would agree with my assessment, the vast majority of people, sadly, even many going to church, uh, do not know the Lord and live only for this broken, bleeding, dying world. What a sad life if all you end up with is what you can't keep. You just give everything to this world and that's all you get and you missed the whole point. So there's a wide door open for us. There's a great opportunity for us to invite people to the work of God's kingdom and to come to know Christ. Paul was an amazing motivator. 
And to be more specific, the Holy Spirit is an amazing motivator. And Paul wanted everybody to get on board. And Paul wanted everyone to know the power of the resurrection. I want to know the power of the resurrection. It's the power of the resurrection that made me believe that my sins could be forgiven. It was the power of the resurrection that made me decide to leave my old way of life and to embrace following Jesus Christ. It's the power of the resurrection that I get to stand up here week after week and tell everyone that walks through these doors, Jesus can save you and begin working in your life in an amazing way like you have no idea what Jesus can do under and through and by the power of the resurrection. So I want more of it. I want to experience more of it. I want to offer it. It's the only thing that I know that I can offer and it never runs out. Okay, isn't that great? So, there is much to be done. Paul wanted to see churches growing. He wanted to see people deeply and passionately engaged and worshiping the triune God. I don't want a dead church. I hate dead church. I hate church when I'm dead, when I'm not passionate. I hate going to church and everybody else is worshiping God and I'm sitting there like a a log and I'm just not engaged. I'm like, Lord, what in the world's wrong with me? I want there to be exciting, enthusiastic worship of God. I want to be passionate about my love for God. I know of nothing else that would be more worthy of my passion. Paul wanted to see this. He wanted to see people deeply and passionately engaged in worshiping the triune God. He wanted to see knees bent hands raised, deep moments of genuine repentance, lives restored, chains broken, deliverance from addiction, disease, danger, demonic oppression, broken relationships healed. That's the stuff I want to see in the next five months. Would you, any of you like to see that in the next five months? Do you think we can see it if we commit to it? And if we do the work given to us, do you not think there's a door wide open for us? And if we'll go through that door, then maybe by the grace and power of God, we'll get to see some of this amazing stuff. If we sit in here and nitpick each other to death, all we'll figure out is how many warts, brothers, sisters, and so-and-so has. And how nasty so-and-so can be sometimes if we sit in here. It's kind of like someone says there needs to be a war going on because all the sailors are in the bars beating themselves up. Okay, and that's what when all the church people just come in there and they just stare at each other and nitpick each other and argue about everything. The work of God doesn't go on and there's a great effective door on the outside, but they're inside bickering and and losing all the joy of what it means to even be a Christian in the first place. So there is so much work to be done for our worthy king and we must see the wide open door right before our very eyes. There are thousands of people all around us. Did you realize that even in this teeny tiny little corner of the world in western North Carolina when the population is not very high, even where the population is not very high, there's still thousands of people living right here in the world where we live. There are families, teenagers, children, young adults. There are athletes. There are gamers. There are nerds. There are good old boys. There's people who like trucks, people who like Jeeps. There's people who like beer and people who like bubbly water. There are people who are fashion people, people who with with autism, people with physical limitations, people, old people, lonely people, rich people, poor people, white people, black people, brown people, Hispanic people, European people, African people, Arabic people, Islamic people, Russian people. Hindu people, atheists, agnostics, drunks, sex addicts, people filled with rage, people entertaining themselves to death, people addicted to social media, 
people with eating disorders, people chasing experiencing success in this world, people who are really smart and people who are, well, not so smart. Okay, people who are lazy, people who are lonely, people who crave attention, people who would do anything to be accepted by others, people who won't listen to anybody, people who are unhappy with their jobs and people who love their jobs, people living under bridges, in the woods, in cars, in palaces and million dollar homes, mobile homes, in debt, working three jobs, no jobs, collecting food stamps. There are people, all kinds of people living right here in this county and all of them need Jesus. Okay, there is a great effective door for ministry right here for us. There are people who are made in the image of God who are lost in their sin and they are guilty before God and they need to know that Jesus Christ has come to deliver them and set them free and that they can enter into communion with God on the basis of Christ's finished work on the cross. There are people that need what we have. It's been given to us. We didn't earn it. It's been given to us by the grace of God, but there are people who need what we've got. We are messengers of good news. And that's really all we have. We have good news. That's all we've got. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. That's what we want to give to people. That's our job. That's our work, the wonderful work of God. Therefore, if you have eyes, the eyes of God to see the world through the lens of God's kingdom, then you see God's doors. If you don't have the eyes of God, then when you leave here, all you see is wonderful things to grab and enjoy and entertain. And it's all about you and all about this world. And if you don't have the eyes of God, you only see the world God gave to you. But you don't see the God who made you. But if you have eyes to see and God has worked in your heart and you have the eyes of God, then you see God's doors and you see the doorway into effective ministry. You see the need for people to know God and you see it everywhere, every day. You can't not see it. It's who you are now. You have eyes of God and you see the need for God everywhere. You see that people need to know and experience His love and you want nothing more than to be part of it and you're willing to give your life to it. Our lives are spent with people and God wants us to connect with people so that they can connect with God. And that is why we are here. This is our assignment. We talk every week or most weeks or many weeks about connect. It's one of our words. Connect, grow, go. Connect means connect with God. Connect with God through Jesus Christ. People must connect with God or they will be disconnected for all eternity. People need to connect with God. And then one of the first things God does when they connect with Him, and He connects them to the family of God and they enter into the people of God. And so they connect with God and they don't float around out there by themselves. Themselves, they connect with God and they become part of the family of God. When they come to know the Father, they get to meet His children. They become, they get to meet all their brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the design. Doesn't always go very well in churches like that, but it's the way it ought to be. It's the way we want it to be. And it's what we're aiming for. And we're inviting people not to come into a solo category. We're inviting them into the family of God. And that's what we're hoping for and praying for, that many people, even in the next five months, that there will be some people who will enter into the family of God. They will meet Jesus. They'll come to know the Father. They will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they'll begin to walk with God. And they'll begin to uh, understand what it means to have true community 
given to them because they connect with God and the people of God. And so the third thing I want to talk about, there are many adversaries. Did you know that? Anybody ever felt that? Anyone ever had an adversary? Anyone tried to do something for King Jesus and the devil and his, his minions were out there after you? Or you started to do something good and it seems like evil's coming after you? As soon as you set your heart to do something for the glory of God and the name of God, then there's opposition or you're tempted or some trap or you're just like, well, I'm just too tired or some discouraging word. Something happens. And that's because there's a great and effective door, but there are many adversaries. Paul was excited about the great door for effective ministry, but he was not naive or blind to the reality that there are many adversaries. Paul was warning. He has warnings in every letter. The Corinthians had many adversaries. There were people teaching heretical teachings in their church. There were people in the church living and promoting the most shocking sin. We've had that in our church. There was constant opposition from Satan. And they needed, like all Christians, to put on the whole armor of God and to stand firm and extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And Paul wrote of this in his letter to the Ephesian church, chapter 6, 10 through 20. Paul wrote to the Galatian, the churches of Galatia, in Galatians 5, and he told them that they needed to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of their flesh. And Paul wrote uh, to, to other churches in the same way. And James wrote to Christians who were scattered everywhere, and he said that they needed to learn, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then we have uh, knowing that Jesus told his disciples that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. He has many, Satan has many methods and many strategies and he never tires of fighting against the work of God. He will use every means possible to destroy your walk with God, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your family, to harm your loved ones, to affect and poison your community and to divide your church. There is a great door open, but there is an adversary. You must have a strategy against Satan's devices. You must plan for his attacks. You need to know your strengths and weaknesses and know that your adversary knows your strengths and weaknesses. And he will study your life and constantly looks for opportunities to take you out and to steal your joy and to minimize your witness and to make you feel far from God. Satan is determined to undermine, stop, hinder, corrupt our plans to impact the world for Jesus. He wants to keep you away from Sunday gatherings, away from true and genuine community, Christian community. He wants to keep you out of the Bible and dry up your prayer life and turn you into a complainer and a whiner, make you self-absorbed, make you full of strife, your church full of strife and division and divert your affections to other things so that God's work slips into insignificance and that God becomes more of a hobby than you, that you get around to when it's convenient. God is not a hobby. He is Lord. God never accepts second place. He has no silver medals. He only accepts the gold. And when you come into his heart, he doesn't go, great, I'm third place. He doesn't do third place. He doesn't do second place. He's either first place or no place. He's either in your life as Lord and Savior or he's not in your life. 
And, and so therefore we know that Satan has strategies to diminish your love for God and to stop you and to disrupt the work of God. So do not let Satan steal away the next five months. Before you can blink, it's going to be June 1. If you don't plan, June 1 is not going to be any better than January 1. If you don't That's okay as long as I didn't lose the Holy Spirit. Okay. We can do this. Are we up? Wait, that's in my face. Okay. Well, maybe that's just the way it's going to be. I'm okay with it. Let's roll. Okay. So the last thing I want to talk about is how you need to stay close to God and vibrant in your faith and love for God so that when June 1 comes around, you look back, instead of finding yourself in a horrible place and wondering how you got there, you find yourself in a wonderful place saying, look at the thing that God has done when we gave him and devoted these five months to him. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something, and I hope that it will startle you. There are people in this room that might be in a bad place June 1, who think they're in a great place on January 1. And it's because you do not nurture and pay attention to your walk with God. I hope that there's not a single person in this room that thinks it could not be me because I am so strong. Because if you dare to boast like that in the face of God, then He may take you out. Because apart from Christ, I can do nothing. And I must walk closely to God. This preacher right here could bring scandal to this church in three days if I start making decisions without God and go on my own and I let myself get hooked by some temptation and start down some path. It's uncanny how quickly we can unravel when we don't walk closely to God. Satan is a trap setter and there's a trap waiting for you before you get to the parking lot. He can start speaking into your head and he can start setting up a plan and he can have someone send you a message or some Instagram or some click on your phone. And before you leave the parking, you can be sitting here excited about God and on your way toward destruction before you get to your car. That's how fast and clever Satan can work. And therefore, you must set your mind and set your course and say, not this day, devil. I'm going to serve God and I give this day to Him and I'm going to walk for Him. I'm going to start doing the things that you've taught me to do in your word so that I can say that, uh, so that I can stay faithful because I know that there is an adversary and he's quite a worthy adversary. He's stronger than I am, but he's no match for my king. Okay? So the fourth thing is, is that you see the people God has placed in your life to help, to help you. Everyone has people in your life. We all have people in our life that God has placed there to help us. So God brings people into our lives as one of the primary means to bring about our salvation, our spiritual growth, and our usefulness to the kingdom of God. And Paul himself wanted to visit the Corinthians to inspire and instruct them. And Paul had already sent Timothy to visit them and do much good for them and help them grow. And now he was sending the gifted Apollos to come and visit them and use his spiritual gifts to help strengthen 
strengthened them in the Lord, and he reminded them to respect and cherish the leadership and hospitality shown to them by the household of Stephanus and people like Fortunatus, uh, Fortunatus, Achaicus, and how churches in Asia were praying for them by name, and Aquila and Prisca or Priscilla prayed for them in the church where they served. Christians and churches from all over prayed for them and remembered them, sent greetings to them because they were excited about God's work. So here's the point. God puts people in your life to help you grow. He puts you in a body to help you grow. And if you're not part of that, then it's going to It could be dangerous and you could even fall apart. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. There were back then many people who have devoted themselves, as these are the words out of this text, who have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. There are people now right here in this church who regularly devote much time, much thought, much prayer, much energy, skill, resources and love to help you grow. And there are people here to greet you when you walk to the door and hand you a bulletin and say welcome. And there are people who come during the week to fold bulletins and people who study for hours every week to teach you the Word of God and prepare spiritual lessons for nourishment for your souls. Some people show up at 7.30 every Sunday to make sure that the heat is on. Some people show up at 7.30 to start practicing music or to work in the tech booth for anywhere from two to five hours every Sunday. There are volunteers to hold your crying baby, to change your baby's poopy diapers, to scores of people each Sunday and Wednesday to love on children so that those children can hear of and fall in love with Jesus early in their lives. Every time we plan events, people help in the kitchen and set up and clean up and move chairs and promote. And there are people who use their vacation time and invest their own money to serve in missions. There are teams of people who spend hours to plan women's ministries, men's ministries, marriage seminars, youth outings. There are people who give large chunks of time to repair buildings, repair computers, fix meals, visit others lead life groups, serve with Celebrate Recovery. There are musicians who give many long hours to create a worship setting that draws your heart to God. There are elders and deacons who give hours and hours to guide our church in the works of God. It takes all this when that door opens for effective ministry. The people of God jump in and they get excited because they believe there's nothing more exciting than serving God and being part of something so magnificent and so eternal. So here's the conclusion. If your primary relationship to our church or to, to our, or a church in general is to delight in and benefit from Sunday morning worship services, I want to say several things because I want to begin by, I'm thrilled that you're here, but I want to just share that there might be more that God would have for you to do, more for God to have you to participate in, more ways that God wants to use you. And so let me say, first of all, I am so happy that you come. I am thrilled. I don't care who you are. I get excited when people walk through the doors. Because people are going to hopefully meet with God, hear about God, fall in love with God, worship God, draw close to God. So, number one, I'm happy you come. I pray and labor along with many others that you will come and connect with God and connect with the people of God. And we want very much to have meaningful, relevant, powerful worship services where you feel that you have met with God and experienced the Holy Spirit in real communion with Christ. I don't want you just to come. 
come here and feel good. I don't want to just sing your latest favorite worship song or your favorite oldest worship song. I want you to meet with God. I want to meet with God. I feel disappointed when I leave here and I pull away and I don't feel like people met with God and I feel, not only do I feel like a failure, but I also feel so empty and so dead and so lifeless and depressed. I drive home depressed if I don't think people have come and met with God. I'd get depressed if everybody else met with God and I didn't. It's like, why are they so happy? I want some of that too. And therefore, I want to, I, I want as many people to discover the joy and strength of soul satisfying worship. So come on. Come one, come all, come sinner, come saint. We want you to have such great times with God that you will come to the place that the weekly worship of God is the highlight of your life and that it would take chains and bars to keep you from gathering with saints to lift high the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you, it breaks my heart, but it doesn't take much for us not to get excited about coming to be with Jesus. But would be, would it be, would it not be amazing if it literally took chains and bars to keep us from going to the gathering of God's people to proclaim his holy name? Wouldn't it be something if we were that excited? We wouldn't miss it. It would take a tornado, a hurricane, closed roads, closed bridges, firing bullets. Do you know that some people experience that on their way to worship God? That's what they go through to go to a hidden secret place where their lives are threatened because they want to worship God. Would be to God that we had more of that. Would be to God that what is in Psalm 122 was in our hearts where the psalm repeatedly, would it reverberate in your soul things like this? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. With all our faults as a church and all our weaknesses as sinners, forget not that it is not our imperfections that makes us, that drives people away. Hopefully it is the majesty of Christ that keeps people coming. Find a place where Christ is lifted high and come raise a hallelujah. Okay, so secondly, I hope that you I hope that what you taste in the worship hour will cultivate a desire for more. That weekly spiritual meal will awaken your spiritual palate for more Jesus, more knowledge of God, deeper devotion, deeper fellowship, deeper impact. And that when coming week by week, you will hear of next steps in your walk with God and God will take you by the hand and show you a next step that will help you grow and serve. Every Christian needs to be thinking about what is next. What is the next step? God would have me to take? What is the next thing God would have me to do? What is the next step that will help me to fulfill God's call upon my life and help me make the most of my life to serve my Savior? Thirdly, I want to thank those of you who serve in so many different ways. So many of you minister to me. I cannot find enough word to express my gratitude. Some of you often thank me. I want to thank you. Thank you for putting up the chairs and singing praise and fixing problems and going to visit people and expressing love and making phone calls and sending text messages and speaking the word of God to one another, encouraging one another and being there for one another. Thank you. If you have served in some capacity and you have been regularly blessed by serving and you are so glad that you have served and serving has made you a happier Christian, then I want you to acknowledge and indicate that you are glad that you served and you would highly recommend it by, by raising your hand. Would you recommend it? Yes. Look at the people who serve. 
It's not drudgery. It's not prison. It's not slavery. It's joy because as you serve, you grow. As you focus on others, your heart gets larger. And that's what we want to do. So thank you for serving and setting for us an example. And fourthly and lastly, I want you to pick where you will serve at this time. Many effective doors are open for us at this moment. I encourage you to make a commitment to some area, some next step where you will invest and give and labor for God in the next five months, in the next five month block of time. Do something that will benefit someone so that you can, we can continue to proclaim the gospel to more people so that we can help more people grow in love with God and so that we can celebrate with a great May baptism, more 2023 missions more ministry in Jackson County with prayer. Pick a spot where you can give to God and pray something as simple as this. Dear Lord, what door am I to walk through to carry out my part in your big plan? Like, Lord, where do I fit? What's for me? There's something for everybody. And lastly, it is a great day to meet Jesus. Every day is a great day to meet Jesus. So you can pray right here and right now. If you've never met Jesus, then today is not a finer day than today. You can't accept Jesus to tomorrow because tomorrow never gets here. It's today. Today is the day of the Lord. You can't accept Him yesterday because if you haven't done that, then yesterday doesn't count. What you can do is you say right here, right now, Jesus, I want you now. I'm not going to put you off anymore I'm going to come to you. I want to follow you. And so I want to rec- uh, recommend that if you're here and you've been learning about Jesus and you've been hearing about Jesus, then I'm just going to say, why not just come to Jesus? Why not just come to him now? Why don't you just tell Jesus, say, Jesus, there's a lot I don't know and there's some lot I'll never know. But one thing I know is that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This I know. Jesus died on the cross for me, all my sin. And if I trust in Him, then He will wash my sin away. I am willing right now to turn away from that sin that never did me any good any good, and always did me harm. Why would you hold on to what never did you any good, but we do it every day? And so what I'm asking you is, are you ready to give up the life that never did you any good for the life of Jesus who will only do you good? The best deal, I'm offering you the best deal you've ever had in the history of the world. It's the best deal that God tells us to offer. Every day, the church of Jesus Christ gets to proclaim the good news and offer God's good news. So I would say to you, will you follow Jesus? That's all you need to know right now. Jesus died for you, shed his blood. His blood was perfect. It's perfect enough to atone for your sin. Whatever sin, it doesn't matter what your sin is. His blood is stronger than your sin. So no matter what you've done, His blood can wash it out. But no blood cannot wash it out. If you don't come to Jesus and ask Him for His sacrificial blood to pay for your sin, if you accept His blood in place of your sin, He will forgive you. So it could be as simple as this. Lord, I don't have a lot of fancy words, but my life needs to change. And I want to put it into your hands. And this day, here and now, I give my life to Jesus. And I want to follow you. I'm sorry for my life. And I give my life now to you. That's the beginning of a new walk with Christ. Lord Jesus. And now here's what I would say to you. 
If there's anyone here today that wants to follow Jesus, then I would recommend that you tell someone that that's what you've done. If you're considering Jesus, then the minute you decide to follow Jesus, I want you to tell someone, just simply say, I've decided to follow Jesus. I've got a lot of change he needs to do. There's a lot of work to be done. But I just want you to know, I've decided to follow Jesus. And people will begin to encourage you and God will send you and guide you and lead you to the right people, the right places. And he will begin to feed you and you will begin to grow. Does anybody want that kind of stuff to happen in our church? Does anybody? All right. Well, that was okay. But I know, we, I know that's what we want, okay? That's what we're praying for, okay? Let's pray. Our Father, we pray in your name. We're excited about the next five months. We pray that we would stay focused. We pray that we would be aware that there is an adversary. We want to be faithful. We, won't wanna, we don't want to come to June 1 and be that one that slipped away. We also want to come to June 1 and be the one that someone we've been praying for, someone that we've been going through the wide open door for us, God. May we jump in with the ministries of the church and the ministries of the kingdom of God. May we jump in, oh God, and be strong and be nourished and worship you and praise you, serve you and pray more so that many things can happen in our community for the glory of God. We love you. We want to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.